You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me, as always, is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Had some anxious moments tonight, Eric. I was at the uh, Pfizer, at, at Pfizer Forum. Whoa. Uh, at Pfizer Forum uh, with my lovely wife, who is a Rockets fan, uh, but also a Bucks fan. And... Um, it was uh, uh, not the most inspiring effort from Milwaukee Bucks against the very shorthanded uh, New Orleans Pelicans, but they did win. Uh, 123-115, they uh, chalked up another win heading into uh, the game on Friday against Boston. So, um, you know, I, I think keeping pace with the Raptors, always a good thing. Bucks uh, are now three losses up on any other team behind them. So Raptors and Bucks both have nine losses. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a pretty good spot, but I mean, it, I, 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 you saw it in person on, uh, on Monday, the DJ Wilson live experience, Milwaukee finally got to experience the <laughs> DJ Wilson experience tonight. Um, it was kind of funny. Our uh, friend CJ, uh, uh, friend of the pod, CJ uh, tweeted at me and said something to the fact of, um, let's see, well, let me, let me get the actual quote of what CJ tweeted at me. He said, I was wondering how much, how watching rotation DJ in person was going to feel for you. Confusion is what I predicted. And first off, let me say this. Um, no one in Milwaukee has seen rotation DJ in person before tonight. So let's just, I mean, like, yeah, I know he like got those random minutes <laughs> against the Cavs in that like weird game or whatever in the first half. But, um, this was like the first like real rotation DJ that we've seen in Milwaukee. And, um, you know, like, obviously he's benefiting from the fact that like our, our standards were hopelessly low and, you know, pretty much any sign of a, of a pulse would have been nice. Um, but as you, you know, you described him as, as really solid against the Pistons and tonight he was really solid again, giving you good minutes against, uh, Anthony Davis, uh, down the stretch. And, um, you know, I, this was just a game where it just felt like it just felt like there just was like a lot of stagnancy and in, in kind of the, especially the Bucks starting five. Like it just felt like there wasn't a lot. There's really, like there was a lot of like kind of standing around and just sort of like, all right, when do these guys go away? This almost seemed like the mindset, especially when Anthony Davis kind yeah. of went out for most of the second quarter with, um, I guess what was described as an illness, but for returning in the second half. Um, but you know, kudos to, to some of the bench guys. You know, George Hill finally made some plays. I'm not sure he always is where you want him to be in the offense yet, but um, he made some shots, made some plays. <laughs> uh, DJ, nine points, 10 rebounds. DJ Wilson had 10 freaking rebounds. He can he can barely, like, box a guy out. I mean, like, yep. it's like a struggle for him to get a rebound, but he had 10 of them tonight. Um, and Thon Maker was, um, was also a plus 10 uh, with seven points, 
and three rebounds in 15 minutes. Um, and I thought like, you know, those guys along with Tony Snell, who actually led all bench scorers with 13 points on six shots, Sterling Brown also nine points on five shots. I just felt like those bench guys just kind of gave like a real like shot in the arm. Um, and, and obviously, you know, that's kind of what you often need from your bench. And tonight, um, you know, some couple crooked numbers, you know, plus minus wise from, from some, from some of the starters, you know, Bledsoe was, was definitely not at his best tonight. Middleton kind of had a good start, but then was not at his best. Lopez, not at his best, but, um, you know, this is where having that depth, even with guys like, you know, Ilyasova out, Connaughton's been benched of late, um, being able to, you know, rely on, uh, on these bench guys, these young guys in particular to, um, show some signs of life. And, you know, in the case of, of DJ Wilson, actually be thrown into the fire, once again, defending a, an all-star caliber player down the stretch. I thought, um, it was really encouraging and, you know, ultimately Giannis kind of had like a C plus game that ended with like 25, eight and eight and, um, efficient scoring. But, um, you know, I, I think you probably, I mean, for me, the story of this game was, was once again, you know, some of these young guys stepping up and, um, being able to kind of, you know, rouse the bucks out of their doldrums. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of been just, you know, kind of an experience to watch because I think, as you mentioned, our expectations for DJ Wilson were so incredibly low and, um, you know, it, it's, it's been too far from perfect uh, performances for Wilson, but uh, you know, like I said the other night against Bissling, he, he was solid again tonight. And you know, I I was kind of interested to see him do it in slightly different ways. Like uh, you know, tonight he finds a, a bucket as a role man. Uh, the Bucks are, are willing to go to him in that spot, and, and really everyone kind of trusts him there. And then you know, he gets a he gets an offensive rebound late, and he's able to finish actually was it two offense rebounds late? Cause I think technically Malcolm's got blocked. Um, so I, that was a block that somehow ended up in DJ's hand and he flips it up there. Then he had that big like two hand tip where he was like waiting, waiting, waiting in the air. And then finally uh, was able to get his hands on it. I mean, it, those are two back-to-back buckets that, you know, essentially steal the game. And uh, it, I, it's just been, uh, I mean, revelation isn't the word I want to use because, you know, he's just kind of being a role player, but from where I think everyone's expectations are that that's quite an accomplishment. And um, yeah, yeah, I I thought he's been, he's been pretty solid. And, you know, uh, I asked, I asked him after the game, like, you know, if, if this happens once, a lot of people say, Oh, it's a fluke. Like, you know, what did it mean to come back and kind of do it again? And he said, you know, like, that's what it's about is, you know, night in, night out. Like, this is this is what I think I can do, and I think I can do that. And, you know, Bud is giving me this chance and giving me this confidence. And uh, I think it's just going to be really interesting to watch going forward. And then, I mean, we're at a spot now with Sterling Brown where it's like, uh, that's his spot. Uh, and again, uh, you know, I think both of us really enjoyed the – the artistic stylings of Pat Connaughton and, you know, kind of what he would do from night to night. But, you know, you look at Sterling Brown and you look at everything that, you know, I think we, we liked about him in the past, you know, just how physical he could be and, uh, you know, kind of how he can be a game, game changer defensively. And then, you know, you, you kind of, add on top of the fact uh, on top of that, that he's shooting 36% from three. And again, it's still low volume, but he said some big ones. There was another fourth quarter three for him tonight. Uh, he had one against Detroit as well. And, you know, if, if he is only going to shoot, 
two threes and one of them comes in crunch time, but you know, that's, that's pretty big and that's pretty helpful. And, um, you know, I, I just think the, the confidence that he's had offensively to me is the biggest thing because I think last year and then at the start of this year, he was really trying to figure out how to impact games offensively. And I think when he was, when he was passing, he should have been shooting. When he was shooting, he should have been passing. And when he was driving, he shouldn't have been doing that at all. He should have been doing one of the other two things. And, you know, like I just never really felt like he got a rhythm. And, you know, I think over the last little while, we've really started to see him get into a good rhythm where he's making decisive decisions. He's he's able to make an impact and make a play and, uh, you know, even have a, have a couple finishes. I, I know there was one tonight that he just forced where it was like an up and under and it was just a bad shot. And, you know, it, you kind of saw those habits rear their ugly head but you know i think for the most part he's really kind of kind of figured things out and i I think one other thing i want to say is good on you tony snell like uh, we we don't ever talk about tony and you know i I think that's that's largely his personality and you know just kind of who he is and you know how you can kind of fall into a lull and you know that there hasn't been like an eight three-point attempt or there hasn't been like an eight three-point game for him or something like that where he just explodes but you know he's he's still going out there shooting 36 percent and you know he's he's really found a way to do all of the dribble pass shoot kind of stuff that bud really likes and you know it, it kind of just was a summer where i i think last year i started doing the tony snell did what game uh on twitter as it, it was kind of a novelty when he would do other things than shoot spot up threes. And I mean, it's an everything night or it's an every night thing now with him, like where he's, he's just going to do, he's just going to do stuff and he's just going to kind of make plays and, you know, he'll drive a little bit. Maybe he'll finish a layup. Like he's just going to, he's going to continue to do stuff. So shout out to him as well. But I mean, I think in many ways you can say those three guys, and I guess you can throw George, screw it, throw the whole bench in there. George Hill plays 29 minutes tonight. Thon Maker plays 15. He's uh, seven points, three rebounds. He's a plus 10 on the night. Like you can throw them all in there. Uh, all of them were huge tonight on, on a night where I, I, I couldn't believe Bledsoe didn't take advantage of the fact that Tim Frazier was on him most of the night and uh, a night where Chris Middleton struggled with Drew Holiday on him for most of the night and a night where Brooke Lopez didn't have a huge impact. Like they needed everything from the bench and, and they got it from, you know, I think five guys at the start of the year that, you know, obviously George Hill wasn't on the team, but you look at those other four, I don't know if we would have said like, oh yeah, sure. That's of course, that's the bench unit that, that got the Bucks through and, and got them, got them a win against the Pelicans. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I was just looking at, you know, like, with the guys um, that played tonight, DJ Thon, George Hill, Sterling, Tony Snell. I mean, it's a, it's a different group than we saw early in the season, right? I mean, Dante DiVincenzo was the first guy off the bench in some of the early games this year. He just got um, assigned to the herd to try to, you know, kind of get back on track, especially given that he, he lost his place. I mean, he just hasn't shot, shot the ball, right? I mean, you know, if you're, um, if you're not going to make shots, then you're eventually going to go to the bench and, same story for Pat Connaughton, right? Um, you know, started off really well, fought his way into the rotation, and then um, more recently has has kind of lost out as, um, you know, Snell has continued to be consistent and then Sterling Brown and, and Hill, you know, Brown kind of worming his way in, playing well, and then, um, you know, the fact that you're adding George Hill and 
um, you know, George Hill just can kind of do more with the ball, right? I mean, just the, the mere fact that you can give George Hill the ball and have him initiate offense in ways that obviously Connaughton or DiVincenzo just aren't going to do um, just give, gives him versatility. So, I mean, it, it's a bit interesting just sort of seeing some of the flux in the bench. Urson being hurt now with um, what's being described as a broken nose. Um, it feel, felt like it took a long time for it to be diagnosed as a broken nose. <laughs> I feel like you can figure that out pretty yeah. quickly. Um, we'll see if we get Mask Urson. Uh, you mentioned that the other night. Uh, I don't know if we're, we'll get him back sometime soon. But, um, you know, with Wilson playing the way he has with Thon, um, having more playable sequences, <laughs> more playable stretches, um, you know, yeah. you don't have to necessarily rush, uh, rush him back as quickly. And I think, you know, one of the big things that I think, you know, we've seen since really John Henson's injury you know, it felt like early in the season, the Bucks were tended to play very big, and we saw kind of like brief stints of Giannis with with Ursan. Um, but more often than not, it did feel like you know there was a traditional well, not traditional surprise is the right word, but there was a true center on the court. Let's say between Lopez, Henson, or or you know Maker occasionally getting minutes, although he was on the fringes of the rotation as well. Um, and it's been interesting, you know, losing Henson, I think has kind of been a forcing mechanism in a lot of ways for Bud to play kind of more mix and match with, obviously we saw more of, of Giannis and Ursan. Um, we saw, we obviously seen a lot more Thon. Um, we've seen more Thon at, at the four as well with Ursan being hurt. Um, and then we've seen also kind of like smaller lineups with, you know, um, obviously, you know, DJ is not small per se, but you know, he's obviously kind of a more mobile. Smaller. Yeah. He, he kind of plays small. Um, and that's kind of always been one of my complaints about him. You know, he doesn't really rebound, um, offensively, both, both offensively and defensively kind of plays a little smaller. Although I think one of the things I've been encouraged by is, is, you know, we know he can pick and pop a bit, uh, hit a big three in the fourth quarter tonight. Um, and also had, um, we've seen him kind of as a role man actually show some, some decent instincts. I mean, he can catch a basketball at least. And tonight he, he missed yeah. one, but then also um, finished one where it looked like Anthony Davis also clearly fouled him. And you know, those were some big plays tonight. So um, I think it's been interesting sort of seeing that flux. I'm, I'm kind of curious. We've seen the bucks with some lower three point shooting nights, um, like few, shooting fewer threes of late um, 13 out of 33 tonight. So I guess kind of like one off their average makes, but, seven off their their kind of average um attempt number and you know you kind of alluded to it like sterling isn't like a gunner in the same way that Connaughton or DiVincenzo is um you know wilson did take four threes in 24 minutes um but he maybe isn't like quite as as trigger happy as uh, as a guy like urson and george hill two out of two from three um i think he needs to sort of kind of get acclimated to the way the Bucks want to play. Um, uh, while we're here, you already mentioned it yeah. once. Um, hey, George, uh, you know, cutting is great. Um, don't, don't go to the dunker spot when Giannis has a post up. <laughs> it's just a, just a bad <laughs> spot for you. Um, that, that, and again, you know, I'm, I'm all about the beautiful game cutting and, and doing things, but uh, just don't do that. Like, like ever, like don't ever do that and, and really don't do that in the fourth quarter and really, really don't do that when he has a small guy on him on a mismatch. Just a, just a suggestion uh, for, I know you're getting used to playing with Giannis. I would just say those are bad ideas. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Um, on the flip side, he actually made some shots tonight, which has been a yep. major 
issue um, overall uh, for him since since arriving in Milwaukee. Uh, and and two of those, his two threes, he only took two threes, and they were threes he had to basically take. One was um, late, I think in the I guess the end of the first quarter, Giannis kicked out to him um, for a late clock three um, right at the end of the first quarter. And then he hits a, a really big three at the end of the third quarter uh, as time <laughs> yeah. is expiring. So, um, you know, the only two threes he took were ones he really had to t- really had to take. So he's clearly kind of, you know, maybe not uh, yet acclimated to sort of the let it fly um, mantra. So we'll kind of see how that evolves. And he also took like a mid-ranger early in the game that I didn't love. And mm-hmm. Middleton is, you know getting into uh let's just say his comfort spots more these last couple games and getting somebody shot by the way i don't know you can't you can't see me roll my eyes when i say comfort spots for chris melton but maybe you can hear that in my tone um he kind of he did certainly could he did get i mean you know like if the thesis is like oh if chris can get some shots going from you know short mid-range little short turnarounds things like that and then use that to kind of get a rhythm and then hit threes great but tonight he hit some of those like low expected value shots and then kind of didn't really make anything the rest of the game it seems i think he was i don't know if he was five of ten and two for two from the foul line at halftime um but look, look at the box score he finished with 14 on five out of 13 oh five from three so did not um definitely did not have his jumper going tonight even though he had again like pretty good looks in a similar way uh as you know i made a quick note while while george hill uh we talked about him um just a quick note for the bucks and again i'm just trying to be helpful just let them know um drew holiday is really good on ball um so i don't know like chris trying to go one-on-one in an iso situation against him eh, eh, you know maybe not the best idea um, you know, if you want to get Eric Bledsoe involved with a guy that got cut from your team on him, I don't know. Seems like a good idea to me. Like, I, I mean, I think it would be a better idea than having Chris go at Drew Holiday. And again, Chris is a talented offensive player, but, you know, as, as he's trying to do those things, and, you know, you mentioned a couple mid-range jumpers, um, against Drew Holiday, probably not great looks so again just throwing some notes out there just some things i've been thinking about um so just just wanted to put that out there as well yeah there was a i don't know if you recall this play but in the fourth quarter there was one play where um they were gonna run a um like an inverted pick and roll for Giannis at the top and um Mm -hmm. they were like i think i think i may i don't know if it was george hill who set the screen or something but but i think hill may have come from the baseline and drew holiday was sort of like at the elbow and in, and basically they just like kind of pre-switched to Drew on George <laughs> yep. Hill, and of course that again is like really a very little value to get like Drew Hill Holiday switched on you just because you know again like as as much as Giannis is you know what has eight eight or nine inches on Drew Holiday or whatever it is seven inches, um, it's really hard to go from the three point line to the rim on Drew Holiday no matter how big you are. I mean he's he's that good defensively and. Um, I think Giannis just like kind of way after they, I think they ran it and then he kind of just like waved and backed, well, backed away again to try to get a sort of different switch. Cause yep. they wanted to get Frazier or whatever. And, um, so that, that was kind of funny. Um, but, but yeah, true holiday is really good. Um, and that's kind of the interesting thing, like thinking about this team. I mean, you know, the Pelicans were without 
um, Anthony Davis for, you know, a quarter, he ended up playing 29 minutes. So, um, you know, 27 points on 18 shots, 11 rebounds, three assists, two steals, three blocks, two turnovers. Uh, he was obviously, you know, he still got his numbers. Um, but they did make him work for it. I mean, he, he had to take like a lot of those, like little, like weird kind of like running, like eight to 10 foot type. He had some tough, that one against DJ Wilson was like a 16 foot runner. And I don't know how that one fell. Yeah, and he hit some of them, but he missed others. And, um, I mean, the fascinating thing, I mean, we saw it on both sides. I mean, Giannis was still a plus nine, but it felt like, you know, there were real stretches in this game where the Bucks got that shot in the arm from from those bench guys. And similarly for the Pelicans, I mean, you know, Davis minus 13 and Jaleel Okafor plus 13 in 13 minutes. He was the guy who went into the game when Davis left at the end of, like, the first quarter or whatever it was. And, you know, Okafor played a, for long stretches of the second and third quarters. And, you know, even with Brooke Lopez out there, I mean, Brooke Lopez is a big dude. They, they just really didn't know kind of like, could, just couldn't stop him. Just Okafor just kind of either faced up or just back, backed him down. And um, he's got that like nice little like, you know, kind of short, um, you know, non, uh, non-restricted non area paint type game, which, you know, those are not, high value shots in the grand scheme of the universe, but he's a skilled guy, you know, and, and if you just kind of get out of his way, he can, he can make some plays and he, you know, looked like he got a piece on um, a Giannis dunk that ended up flying over the the rim. And, um, you know, the Bucks struggled. He drew a couple fouls on Giannis in the second quarter when Giannis went from zero fouls to three and like, seemed like a couple minutes. Um, And so it was was interesting because, you know, part of you thinking like, man, the Bucks, you know, go into the halftime trailing, third quarter Jill Okafor again is is giving them problems and you're thinking do we want Anthony Davis back in this game or is it <laughs> that you know the Bucks have just blown it because they had a chance to try to just you know basically run these guys off the floor with with Davis out in addition to Miritich and Randall who are already out and, and Alfred Payton um but the irony is I mean <laughs> It felt like they had a much easier time defending Anthony Davis than uh, Jill Oakford. It was a big win. A big win for the Bucks. Julio Oakford plus 13 on the night. Anthony Davis minus 13. Like, I don't want to say it's it's that direct, but, you know? No, it, it was funny that, you know, they really didn't have an answer for Julio Oakford. And, I mean, I think some of that makes sense. Like, if you're not preparing for Julio Oakford and his, his bevy of spin moves and baby hooks like yeah you, you might be a little bit thrown off by it but yeah it was i mean that was i, I don't i was gonna say a throwback machine but i don't even know like did he ever have a moment like that in the nba like i, I guess maybe during his rookie year so I, I don't really know i mean he put up he, he's put up didn't he average like 15 points a game or something as a rookie yeah I mean, he, that sounds right he put up a lot he put up a lot of like you know empty stats on a bad um on a bad uh, uh sixers team so um, no, 17, he put up 17 and a half points per game. So yeah, I mean, and even his second year is a 12 point per game. Guy. So, um, you know, obviously just not a guy who, you know, that's what we saw from what the Pelicans were beating the Bucks at in terms of with Okafor is obviously not how you typically are going to win in the modern NBA. And that's just, you know, one of those, one of those things. But um, by the same token, the probably not super sustainable either. Yeah, exactly. I mean, six out of eight, like, okay, Okafor is not going to shoot 75% forever, but um but I mean, what what obviously was probably a bit more worrying was, you know, once again we saw a slow start. Pelicans go up seven nothing. Um, Darius Miller had the like Justin Holiday Memorial um, 
random dude having a, a you know, Emmanuel Moutier. Yeah. Well, Darius Miller's a good three point shooter <laughs> at least. Um, but I mean, sure. you know, he had what, 24 points or something like that. I mean, he sorry, 20 points on um, six out of 11 from three, seven to 15 overall. So, I mean, he wasn't, ulti- you know, ultimately wasn't a total flamethrower night with 20 points on 15 shots, but um, you know, he was absolutely a threat and um, he was, I think nominally the guy who started for, uh, Randall, which meant Sol- Solomon Hill was was effectively the four man with Davis at center, and um, you know I think the Bucks obviously had some some problems early on like, accounting for him, and um, you know fortunately it uh, it didn't ultimately uh, cost them a win, but uh, definitely it was a weird game in a lot of respects for for both teams just in terms of you know random contributions from some guys and you know very quiet nights from others. Yeah, I think it's going to keep being interesting this year just with the sheer volume that teams get threes against the Bucks. Uh, and again, like we've talked about how the focus is not to give up corner threes and, you know, the Bucks have been okay at that throughout the year, but you know, they they give up more threes than anyone else. And uh we always talk about, you know, volume is the thing that you can control more so than uh accuracy from three. And, you know, the Bucks I, I know Bud has talked about this and, you know, he's mentioned the fact that they have to be better at that and they have to find a way to stop giving up so many three point looks. But, you know, with the way that their defense is structured, I don't really, I don't know what the adjustment is there. Um, unless you're going to start giving up some of the other things that, that, you know, that teams value. And, you know, we've talked about how they're good at keeping teams from the rim. So, um, you know, there is some pick your poison, uh, aspect to all of this. And, you know, uh, I think it's just, I think there's throughout this year, there's just going to be nights where you're giving up so many threes that teams get in a rhythm, teams get hot, a certain player gets hot and you know, it's, it's going to be problems for the bucks, but you know, a lot of the times they've been able to score with other teams and uh, we'll have to see if, if that continues to be the case. I wanted to talk a little bit about Giannis um, because just thinking about drew holiday, I, I thought it was really fun to watch how different, Holiday and Giannis affect the game defensively. And um, you mentioned the the possessions where the Bucks kind of did their best to keep Drew Holiday away from the action, where it was like, okay, well, we know where Drew Holiday is. Like, let's let's bring him over here. And then, you know, we don't have to deal with him kind of mucking things up. And, you know, it. I think these last two games, it's been really interesting to watch. Uh, just kind of the idea that, Giannis isn't going to cover the other team's best player, even if it is a four man, like even if it's Blake Griffin, which, you know, technically plays the same position as him, even if it's Anthony Davis guy that plays the same position as him, like there's going to be times when he's on him and sure there'll be minutes where he's on him. But, you know, most of the time the bucks are going to put him on someone else and let him try to, you know, assert his will on the game by just kind of being around. And, you know, I thought, that there was that great possession at the end of the game where uh, Drew Holiday gets DJ Wilson on a switch, double crosses him, gets by him, and I, I don't I, technically I don't think this is going to go down as a block, but he like triple pumps at at the rim and like throws it into the the bottom of the net. I don't even know if it hit the rim. Um, throws it there, and it was like. Why did he do that? Oh, because he saw Giannis coming from the backside and he knew that if he challenged him, it was going to get swatted. And instead he tried to adjust and, you know, eventually didn't even put it on 
to even put on the glass or uh, give his team a chance to rebound it. And it was just like, yeah, that's kind of the Giannis effect. And, you know, I had asked Mike Boonholzer a little bit about it, how, you know, in all these games we sit here and, and say, oh, Giannis versus AD, Giannis versus Blake. But uh, I, I think I said something to the effect of you, you rarely give us those matchups because so often you have Giannis on the backside of the defense trying to help out. And, you know, he had said that the, they keep trying to push Giannis to keep doing more and more on the backside, keep finding ways to affect the game, keep finding ways to, you know, go out there and, and really make an impact and, you know, try to make uh, people see your body as much as possible, try to make them see you as much as possible and, you know, tease that coming from the backside and just do all of those things. And, you know, I just thought it was, it's really interesting to, to think about how, um, you know, Giannis, uh, I don't know if he's ever going to get back up to uh, that season where he had two and two. Um, I just don't know if if that's ever. And again, like he wasn't actually at two and two um, and his numbers this year. I think it's one point three and one point three blocks and steals per game. And um, like I don't know if he's ever going to get there, but I just think he can be so impactful. And uh I think that holiday play was a good example, but I think there's so many times where on the backside teams see him coming and then all of a sudden it's, it's a, it's a pass back out or uh, it's a, it's a hurried shot attempt or whatever it may be. And I think it just speaks to the way that he affects the game on the backside of, of really all of that, the opponent's action. Yeah. The uh, play you mentioned where um, holiday, I, I was curious that they did not credit Giannis with a block for that, but um, the referee, I mean, Holiday caught his, he actually kind of caught his own like triple pump thing. So like it should have been, a, I, 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 I thought it should have been a travel call because I, I don't think Giannis blocked it, but then Holiday like caught it and then eventually yeah. lost it. Um, so obviously if, you know, if Giannis didn't block it, if he just sh- kind of flipped it up and didn't get rim and caught it, it should be an air ball travel. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely like it's, it's an intimidation. It's a, an altar if nothing else. And, um, I mean, we talked about this a few years ago, um, you know, that, that we liked Giannis in that kind of Rover safety role, kind of like that Draymond green role, rather than trying to have him just, you know, lock down opponents. I think, especially on the perimeter, I, I don't think that, you know, I think Giannis is, um, has some limitations. We talked about sort of his, kind of slow defensive first step, relatively speaking. Um, and he also, I mean, I'd be curious if like you could tie like defenders to like open three point shots conceded. I don't think Giannis would look so good, so good by that measure. Cause a lot sure. of times, you know, he ends up like trying to come over and help. And, and again, this isn't like to say that Giannis is like making bad decisions all the time. Cause a lot of times like, you know, he has to try to recover and, you know, help out and whatever. Um, but he also, you know, will kind of sag off, lose his guy or, um, when he's just mm-hmm. being faced up, like, you know, he, let's just say does not get up in, in people's, um, airspace. Uh, he used to do a lot, that a lot more, right. He used to even take like some stupid fouls, like just randomly, like getting all up in guys on the perimeter. Um, and now he's, I think much more kind of disciplined about being off a little bit, but you know, you can pretty much, if Giannis is guarding you, like you can pretty much just pull up for a three point shot if you want one, especially, you know, most fours who aren't necessarily like lights out type guys. So, yep. um, and, and part of that too is cause obviously like he can still challenge shots with his length. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it was interesting to see cause you know, neither, you know, Davis was, was really not guarding Giannis with the exception of a couple of possessions and Giannis was not guarding Davis. And, um, you know, that, that just gave, uh, TJ Wilson his, <laughs> his chance to shine. And I think it also, 
Um, you know, when Giannis is not defending that guy, it also means he's free not just to to try to make plays, but but also rebound more. You know, I mean, he's you know if you're if you're contesting a shot from you know yep. wherever, it's a lot harder to go and turn around and go grab the rebound than um, you know if you're off the ball and uh, and able to to kind of focus on on grabbing a rebound. Um, not a big rebounding night for him tonight. Um, did have the eight assists. Um, interestingly enough, he had two steals tonight. He had gone five straight games without a steal, which um, it's like a pretty weird stat, you know, because normally you just think of him being so big and yep. kind of doing what, you know, you and Bud are, were describing um, as being able to, you know, create some chaos. He obviously averages more than a steal game. So that was a little bit weird. He's been blocking shots of late, but um, the steals have been way down, but did uh, did get credited with a couple tonight in addition to a block. And so, um, so yeah, an in, in, interesting game in that respect as well, just because um, clearly like if you had, you know, kind of just looked at the matchups on the floor, you would have said, oh, well, Giannis and AD are going to guard each other. And interesting that both coaches decided against doing that. And I think the other part too is, I mean, it just minimizes the chance of Giannis picking up fouls and, you know, being taken out of the game because of, because of foul trouble. And tonight, I think what he finished with four, four or five fouls. Um, and so, and there, you know, basically from the second yeah. quarter, into the third quarter for sure you were definitely a bit worried about his foul situation because he did pick up three in in pretty short order in the second quarter so um so that was interesting to watch um but overall i mean you look at the numbers for tonight and this was an offensive game for both teams um and a bit of a departure because we've seen the bucks these last few games um winning you know somewhat lower efficiency game their defense kind of doing more of the job and tonight uh 119 offensive rating 111 defensive rating so um definitely this was more kind of the uh you know shootout type um type of game um as usual they win the points in the paint i think am i correct that they still have not lost um a points in the paint game or only one one maybe all season i think uh, i thought i heard that the other hmm. day i can't remember where um but it makes sense right i mean they they pretty much always outscore you in the paint and you know that's why obviously like even tonight they um were outshot from the three point line. I mean, they were minus 18 from the foul line, but plus 16 in the paint um, and plus 14 from the free throw line. So uh, the fact that they, you know, again, don't allow um, free throws and 85% defense, defensive rebound rate as well. So when, uh, when the Pelicans missed, you know, they weren't really getting, getting second chances. And um, they also had, um, had one more turnover than the Bucks, which obviously is an area the Bucks have not done. That's one thing the Bucks have not done as much of this year is, is forced turnovers. So um, I thought that was, uh, that was encouraging to see. And um, yeah, I, uh, I, an important win to get, because I think especially you would have hated to like drop this game, especially with the shorthanded nature of, of the Pelicans. Um, now I think I would say that Drew Holiday is better than anyone other than Giannis on the Bucks. Um, so you could have certainly said two out of the three best players in the court were still on the Pelicans, even with, um, the guys missing for new Orleans. Um, but you know, again, I think the, the Bucks depth obviously showed, I mean, you know, Pelicans bench, Chick Diallo, Wesley Johnson, Frank Jackson, uh, which Harrison <laughs> brother, Aaron or Andrew, I don't know. They both suck. Um, and then, um, you know, Etuan Moore, who's been good, um, thankfully was, was not good tonight. And, um, yeah. the guy who won the, who the hell is that award for me tonight was, uh, Kenrich William, Ken Rich, Kenrick, Ken, I, I, now I recognize this name from the draft. 
Um, he's like an overage. He's like 24, but a rookie uh, played at TCU. Um, he was out there like guarding Giannis in the third quarter at some point. And I was just like, wait, who the hell is guarding? <laughs> who the hell is that guy? Giannis, Giannis? thought the same thing and promptly scored yeah. on him. Yeah. Well, he also, I think the first thing that happened though, is he got called for a travel against him, yeah. which was kind of like indicative of the frustrating things going on at that point. Cause it was like, Oh God, like we got no AD freaking Kenrich you know, Williams I, out here trying to cover Giannis. And yeah, freaking somebody Williams. Cause nobody knew what his first name even was. <laughs> um, you know, and that's, that's taking something like for a guy to play in the third quarter of an NBA basketball game. And for me to not know who he is, I mean, again, I'm not, uh, an all-seeing, all-knowing person, but I pretty much know NBA <laughs> who's an NBA yeah. player or not. It, literally, I was just like, wait, who's that guy? Um, so anyway, but uh, yeah, you know, this was uh, by no means a work of art. Um, and, and so I guess, you know, again, you win the game, you can count it down as like, oh, Bucks not having their A game, but managed to still pull it out and get contributions from, you know, bench guys, random guys to help win. <sighs> flip side yeah you know again bucks not uh maybe not playing at the height of their powers right now but um you know again like especially given where you are right now um you know in the standings i think uh just being able to crank out wins you know i mean boston loses at home to phoenix so at least hey the bucks weren't the only team <laughs> only only east team to good east team to do that 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 helps um and toronto and indiana i don't even know like who as a bucks fan you're supposed to root for in that game because part of me was like well I kind of want to like get some distance between the Bucks and the Pacers because the Pacers are just kind of frisky and annoying. And um, but on the flip side, the Raptors are obviously the team that the Bucks are chasing. So uh, Raptors win that game uh, in a close one. Um, but uh, I don't know. Uh, at a minimum, good to see uh, one one team in the top five in the East, other than the Bucks losing uh, losing a game. All right, that's gonna be it for us for tonight. A quick reminder: we are gonna be at Broken Bat Brewing tomorrow night at seven p.m. We're gonna talk for a little bit. I think we'll do a little bit, you know, state of the Bucks. Uh, you know, catch you up on kind of where they are at after 30 games. We can talk a little bit about that. And then we'll bring out our special guest, a senior vice president of the Milwaukee Bucks, Alex Lazary. We'll do some of that. Uh, then we'll probably open it up to questions for for Alex, for myself, for Frank, and then not uh, for me. Probably- I'm not answering I'm not answering questions tomorrow. I'm I'm just not doing it. So yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm over it. No, just kidding. I'll, I'll happily answer. You, you'll, you'll have to, I'll have to do my best to just not draw. I think, I think my prediction is standing in front of people. Um, I will be more disciplined about droning on and on and on. <laughs> that, that's my prediction. Um, well, cause you can actually you know, see the people I'll, falling asleep as it happens. I'll be able to see, exactly. I'll be able to see <laughs> the eyes glazing over. Honestly, uh, crap. Okay, shut up. Uh, that, Wrap it up. That seems incredibly unlikely. Uh, you are quite engaging in person, so I, I doubt that will oh, happen. But we'll, no. but we'll have a, a very good time tomorrow night. Um, so make sure that you stop by and uh, try not to get me too hungover, so I miss my flight to Boston in the morning. Because um, you know that might not be all the realm possibilities. So uh, Broken Map Brewing, seven p.m. It's on Buffalo Street. It's in the third ward. Uh, it is in. Uh, the basement so you'll enter through the doors and then go down to your left and you should see us hanging out there um uh, so make sure you come by uh i'll have some books as well if you wanna if you wanna buy my book and if you have a book of mine already and you want me to sign it i'd be more than happy to do so as well so we will have some fun tomorrow night hopefully you'll join us and then um frank and i are 
thinking our Friday podcast is just going to be our live podcast from Thursday. And that might mean that you're going to have to go on Twitter and find a, a, a live uh, video that we end up posting there. It might mean that we'll post the video, uh, but we'll figure that out. So uh, hopefully you can uh, have some fun and, and join us and that'll be our Friday podcast. And uh, hopefully a bunch of you can join us in person and we can have some fun on Thursday night. So that is going to be it for us for tonight for Frank, man, I'm Eric name. This has been lockdown bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.